from there, I was life flighted to Renown Emergency Surgery. Two rods, two plates, 16 screws later in my back, and the pressure from the bones, the shrapnel, had been relieved and removed from the spinal canal. And now I was on this journey of how do I recover from a spinal cord injury, let alone not even think about how do I pursue this dream of you know that I put my whole life towards. Well, what do I do now? Because the use of my legs is no longer an option. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 41 of Life in Motion. Today I have on the phone uh, Roy Tuscany, who is not only a skier, but the founder of the nonprofit Hi-Fi Foundation. Um, so he actually started this after suffering a spinal cord injury back in 2016, um, which left him paralyzed. Um, so needless to say, you know, he's overcome more than many can even imagine. But in doing so, he's also kind of helping guide others who have found themselves in a similar situation, um, really to make sure that they don't lose that spirit of adventure. Um, but anyways, Roy, thank you for being on the show today. Uh, yeah, my man. Thanks so much for having me. What a great opportunity. And um, you know, as I got to explore what you're all about and the message that you're trying to shred and, and spread and, and do all that, um, it, it feels like a great honor to be on here. So uh, thank you so much in advance. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm excited to kind of uh, find you guys and, and really learn more about everything that's, that's going on now. But before we get into High Five Foundation and, and what all you're doing over there, um, I always like to kind of start with who, whoever I'm speaking with. So where, let's talk about you a little bit first, you know, kind of basic things, you know, where you grew up, different hobbies you had growing up, sort of, you know, what is, what was your journey like to get where you are today? Yeah, I was, uh, born in the state of Vermont to two super educated, super smart, uh, individuals, um, who really gave me the ability to the best life possible as a child. Grew up on a really cool uh, house in Waterbury, Vermont with a tree house and a wiffle ball field and participated in Little League Baseball and after school ski programs. And that led me to, you know, this journey of using snow as kind of my transportation vehicle to make the decisions as I progressed in life. And after college, where I went to the University of Vermont and the Graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering and mathematics. Traveled out west. I just knew that the mountains were bigger and opportunities were present for me out here. And I took that as a way to transform, you know, my uh, my kind of life path from being a fifth generation Vermonter to now being a transplant Vermonter living in Lake Tahoe. In Lake Tahoe, California, I really think is like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like where college kids go to retire. And uh, I had a really hardworking attitude and, and uh, you know, ethos about me. And because of that, I think I was able to, you know, find job and, and be able to participate and coach kids in a really cool, meaningful way through the Sugar Bowl Academy. So in a nutshell, I had really smart parents who allowed me to be free. I loved baseball and skiing, went to college, mechanical engineering, mathematics, moved out west, skied my whole life. And came out here to pursue that dream to share that with others and ski some really big mountains and lots of powder. That's, that's awesome. It's, uh, it's, it's funny. So I've, I've had, um, a couple different, um, 
uh, snowboarders on here as well. And it, it's just, it's weird hearing, oh yeah, in school, we you know, had these after school programs with skiing or snowboarding. It's like, we never had any of that stuff where our, obviously we don't have snow out here, but <laughs> it's, it's kind of <laughs> cool to, to hear that. That's really cool. Yeah. You said you're from, uh, from your ta- we're talking from Springfield, uh, uh, Missouri, but where is that where you grew up as well? So actually, no. Um, so I, yes, I am in Springfield now. I've been here for about six or seven years. Um, I'm actually originally from Virginia, a small town on the east, like the, the northern neck of Virginia, but I went to school in Richmond, Virginia in the city. And, and then um, I actually met my wife um, at Woodward East, which I'm sure you're familiar with Camp Woodward. I was headed up to Woodward Tahoe this afternoon. The, see, there you go. So I actually, <laughs> have, so this is just, see, this is, these are the rabbit holes that I love going down. So um so I, yeah so i met my wife there after i graduated because i worked there all summer and met her she was from springfield i had some plans to travel after graduation a couple months down so i wasn't trying to get a job right out the back because i knew i was gonna be gone for a month or two so i followed her back to springfield um so i've been here since when we have now two kids but the person who brought her to camp woodward in the first place actually worked out there at tahoe the uh, not this summer, but two summers ago, um, or for two summers, two summers ago, if that makes sense. Uh, Holly, maybe, I don't know. Okay. I think she, I think she was the housing, um, the housing director or whatever they call it. But anyways, uh, that's, that's cool. Yeah. They just put in these new mountain bike trails and, uh, myself, Paul Basagosha, uh, Cam Zank, both professional mountain bikers. We were going to go up and ride the trails this afternoon with some of the staff and athletes at the foundation. They're really fun little, like, uh, mid mountain down, uh, mountain bike trails. But unfortunately these forest fires that are burning, um, are preventing the air quality for really participating in sports outside. So, uh, we just pulled the plug on it, but yeah, I was headed up to Woodward Tahoe, which, you know, has expanded from Woodward East, which has been a pivotal place in your life. And I think a lot of people find that, that, that Woodward is very pivotal in this, in this kind of action sports world. It, it is. And, and to that point, you know, when you think, Oh, I'm going to this, the summer camp and ride bikes or snowboard, you know, whatever skateboard, whatever you're into, but it's, it's really like the people that you meet there that really had that impact, at least for me, it was who I met, you know, I've met, I met people from all over the world and traveled across, you know, to Australia and different places to stay with buddies that I met here at this camp. So it's, it's kind of crazy the experiences that you can come just by seeing all the different people that travel to go to that camp. It's a lot. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Well, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, a little, little tangent there, but that's cool. And that's, that was actually going to be my next question. If, if you'd had done anything at, at Tahoe or not, um, I've never, I've only been to, to East in my life, but it's at some point, um, once my, uh, we have an 18 month old and a four month old. So once they're able to be campers there, I f- uh, fully plan on spending my summers at some of the different camps and, and being a camp dad and lend them shred. So <laughs> uh, I got one right in the middle. I got a, a 13 month old, um, right in the middle of your two. Nice. Oh, it's a, they're a handful. Love them, but they're a handful. <laughs> um so so anyway so so you kind of are all always grew up um skiing had that background um obviously pretty smart too with a mechanical engineer degree um and moved out to to colorado as a transplant and started um you said you started working where out 
there? I moved out to California. Oh, Cal- uh, I'm sorry. California. Uh, all good, man. In Lake Tahoe. And I was working for the Sugar Bowl Academy as a free ride coach for this uh, a pretty progressive, really cool uh, academy for high school kids uh, that had a free ride program, taught big mountain slope style and all those great things in between. That that's awesome. So, so were you just, was it like a big group of kids that you were kind of coaching at that point or is, how did that program kind of work just out of curiosity? Yeah. I mean, there was about, uh, 10 to 15 kids that were there, uh, going to the Academy. And then there was about 50 to 60 kids on the weekend program. So, uh, it was seven days a week and, uh, we just skied in the more, I just skied every day. I got paid for <laughs> I mean, pretty cool. That's, that's awesome. Um, and I guess with like skiing like that, what, what was it that kind of like kept you involved so long over the years, you know, like where it wasn't, you know, some people look at sports like that, like, Oh, that's a, that's a kid sport. And uh, and then you grow up and you get in your twenties, graduate college or whatever, and you're still doing it. You know, what, what was kind of the, the thing that kind of drew you to that lifestyle and kind of making it passionate for you? I think it's the community. Um, you know, the community is small, but the community is rich with great people. And that's what always kept me connected and always going back. And, you know, pretty much anywhere you go, you can play a big name game and you end up you know, understanding that you have a lot of commonality between friends and family members. It's just really cool to know that that community is there to always support you. And you lead a very self-led passion of, you know, the pursuit of you know great turns and great snow and, great opportunities that you get from skiing and snowboarding and that's like what always had me coming back to it is just like the community aspect of it It, it's so great excuse me that's no that's awesome um and and yeah i would agree because it's 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 different because you have to experience so many different things i'm talking from a bmx background but it's it's also different in a sense that it's not necessarily a uh, a team sport in that way but you can still push yourself and kind of have that individuality so um so with that, I know uh, online, you know, you kind of got started, it sounds like getting pretty serious about it besides, you know, obviously the coaching at the academy and stuff like that, but to try to, you know, I, I guess more or less make a name for yourself as far as at a professional level. Yeah. I mean, that was something that I always wanted, you know, on the East coast, I had competed in the Budweiser Big Air tour and had gotten paid to do some photo shoots and video shoots and had a, you know, a list of sponsors that took care of all the products and, you know, my progression in the sport was continually moving to seeing how I can make a career out of it. And, you know, I never wanted to be rich in, you know, fiscal terms, but I wanted to be at least rich in experiences and yeah. the opportunities that it gave to me. And, you know, I was well on my way, but unfortunately, you know, I had a little bit of a mishap that kind of changed the entire trajectory of my life. And, you know, it's most likely the reason we're talking on the phone. I don't think you'd have too many, you know, ski bums that built houses in Lake Tahoe. Um, which was the path I was on, uh, on a podcast to, to talk about people that are, you know, kind of illuminating their best life. <laughs> so, well, yeah. So, well, I guess, and to that extent, what, what, I guess let's talk about more or less the, the incident that you mentioned and what, I guess, what, what is that? Yeah. So, you know, 2006 had been skiing out here for two years and had just really put on the first like big event and, was getting, you know, a list of next steps of opportunity to work with. I headed down to Mammoth to just go skiing at the end of our ski season with all the coaches from the academy. And we were doing a retreat to try to see how we could 
better uh, our program the next year. And, you know, that morning that was open ski, I hit this table that, you know, I'd, I'd hit numerous times in the weeks past, but this time something was different. I ended up going 130 feet on this hundred foot jump, came down Ooh. 30 feet in the air and the resultant impact into the snow first fractured my T12 vertebrae into my spine, causing paralysis from the belly button down. Uh, instantaneous, the, the, the shrapnel or the bones as the burst fracture of the vertebrae uh, went into my body, uh, damaged my spinal cord and, and caused, so I had no feeling, no sensation, no motor skills below my belly button. Um, and from there, I was life flighted to renown emergency surgery, two rods, two plates, 16 screws later in my back. And the pressure from the bones, the shrapnel had been relieved and removed from the spinal canal. And now I was on this journey of how do I recover from a spinal cord injury, let alone not even think about how do I pursue this dream of, you know, that I put my whole life towards, well, what do I do now? Because the use of my legs is no longer an option. Wow. So to, to go back to it actually happened. So it was like, you didn't like knock yourself out or anything. It was, it was more or less, obviously it was probably more than this, but you essentially fell on your butt really hard. I actually fell. I actually went right to my feet. Oh, oh. Uh, so you, so you hit your feet first. I hit feet first and then just tacoed and, uh, really okay. forward and, um, the impact just was so aggressive. It just blew apart my back. The oh. T12 is the hinge point of your back. Okay. And, um, you know, from the pressure that my body took, it just, something needed to go and the body decided it was that vertebrae. So, so you over, okay. So to backtrack again, so it was like a hundred foot jump, you said, and you overshot it by 30 feet. Yeah. I went past so you the basically, landing. So you landed feet. flat. Oh, I landed real flat. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. So, so right then and there, you, you knew something was wrong. Um, and then, you know, you got flown out and they kind of relieved that pressure and stuff like that. What, what was sort of like going through your mind at that time, you know, from kind of having, I guess, more or less this high of, you know, what you were all, what you were doing and, and it was skiing and everything like that to, you know, eventually them, you know, having that surgery and being like, Hey, this is, you know, you're going to be paralyzed because of this, like what, what, what went through your mind at that point? Yeah. I mean, a lot, obviously, but the biggest thing was just like, I knew right then and then there that I had to make a decision, like, don't be sour, figure out about how this positive or how this negative is going to be turned into a positive. And that's something that I took right from that instantaneous point was like, there's no reason to be sour. You did this to yourself, but what we can do is we can show up with the best attitude and effort possible and try to find the way to seek what is positive out of this negative situation. And, and you said you did that like immediately, like you like switched that mindset, like immediately, like basically once that happened. Yeah. And I can't tell you that I succeeded at it every day. And was well, yeah. But I can tell you that, you know, that is the driving force right from the get go. And it's something I've talked about with a lot of people. Like I knew that the door to this idea of following the ski career had been shut and I could sit outside that door like a dog does when you let him outside and he wants to come back in and continually hits on it and wants in and wants in and wants in. Or what I could do is just say, Hey, like this door has closed. But right next to it, it's another door and you can open this door and you can decide to step in and you can put forth the 
best effort and attitude that you have possible to give. And we'll see where this door will lead to. And I just decided that, you know what, I'm not gonna sit outside this door of opportunity that no longer exists. I'm not just gonna knock on the door of opportunity either. I'm gonna open the door and I'm, I'm gonna see what that opportunity looks like because I can find a positive out of the negative. Well, that and that's amazing to hear that, especially, you know, obviously I'm sure you had different struggles through the way, but I mean, as you know, and uh, probably better than I know of just random stories that I heard, but, you know, injuries like that, even basic injuries, um, if basic injuries is a word, um, but, you know, people can go down some wrong paths and get really into a negative mindset from that, which I think is so amazing about learning about your stories. Like you just said that, um, and I, I love the, the, uh, dog analogy. That's, that's perfect. Um, but yeah, to be able to flip that switch and just be able to be like, okay, this is, this is what it is, but I'm not going to let this ruin, ruin my life or dictate my life or anything like that. So that's, it's pretty awesome to hear that, um, that you were able to, to do that. I'm assuming with that, you had a, probably a pretty good support system for, you know, around you that time. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the decisions that I made was to stay close to home and home now being the Reno Tahoe area, um, knowing that I had the opportunity to have really great people around me. And I think that led to me because I, you know, talked to a lot of people and I visit them now in the hospital that are going through this, that, you know, the, one of the best things that you can do is healing is best done in your home. And when you can, when you can do that, I think that's a big takeaway for a lot of people because, um, not everyone realizes that, you know, so many people are, oh, I can do this on my own, but I mean, it takes a, it takes an entire tribe. And, you know, one of the best things I've ever learned through this process through a mentor, a guy by the name of Jake Schick has always said one tribe, one fight. And if you have one tribe together, you have one fight. And that one fight, you know, for that individual is how do you overcome this? Well, you need a tribe that tribe's going to fight for you. And when you've got that, there is limitations go out the window because you're each taking on the best characteristic of that person to help lift them up. And, you know, if each person's doing that, you've got a solid support crew. You're going to, you're going to do some pretty rad things. That, no, that's, that's amazing. And the, yeah, the one tribe, one fight, that totally makes sense with, yeah, with all that. So, so after you had the, the surgery, um, I guess you probably, I guess, what was the, I guess the, the rehab process of that, of like, you know, them saying what was going to be possible and what you had to do to get to that possibility. Like what, what was that like? Yeah. I mean, the doctor, the day after surgery came in, gave me the you know outcome of the surgery and the name of the foundation, which came out of this was born right then and there. The doctor <laughs> gave me this really great rapport and, I put my hand up to be like, yeah, dude, like way to go, man. Like, let's slap some hands here. Let's, let's give a five to say like, congrats. And he had no idea what I was asking. And I finally had to just tell the doctor like, Hey, like slap my hand. It's going to be okay. And that was really that pivotal point that kind of transformed how I communicated with people in the process of my recovery that then later became the name of the foundation. But instead of saying, hi or a hug or a handshake or a wave it was just a high five and from doctors to nurses to therapists to other patients it just became my way of introducing myself and so years later after recovery which was long and you know definitely you know a struggle at many times throughout the process 
process um, when I came to you know pay it forward and what we'll talk about next this organization it was so simple to find the name because it, it had been a part of me an ethos of me as I went on this journey as a way to say hello to others yeah, that, no, that that makes sense. Totally, just like a natural um, extension of you and kind of your attitude as well. Because um, obviously, if you're giving high fives, you get a big smile on your face. So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hard to give a high five and not have a positive exchange between. <laughs> exactly. So, so you kind of went through that, and then I believe on the on the website, um, a, a couple years later, or only a couple years later, I should really say that you were able to kind of adapt and, and, and start doing some, some of those activities again. Did I, did I read that correctly online? Yeah, so I was able to uh, get back into skiing using adaptive ski poles. I use outriggers, which are um, ski poles with skis on the end of them. Um, I'm a four tracker, which means I have the ability and strength in my lower extremities to carry my own weight, but I don't really have the dexterity in my feet to be able to create uh, the necessary means to create a turn. So the outriggers allow that. They also give me balance and give me the ability to slow down and stop. Then from there, I, I just started finding other ways to adapt sports or learning about adaptive sports through other experts in the field. And, you know, I've found, you know, great times, amazing times, some of the best times in the ocean on my uh, Mac wave ski, um, which is just like an adapted surfboard, which is a surfboard for folks that sit down and use a paddle. It's a, it's a kayak and a surfboard blended together and it's a high performance vessel that allows me to surf waves and have a great time in the ocean and you know the best thing that i have found recently is my e-bike my e-bike is transforming the way that mountain biking and even just the mentality of myself an individual with lower extremity and you know loss of leg you but now this e-bike like i can go everywhere with it and it's it's awesome <laughs> That's cool. And it's so, it's so cool to hear. And actually, uh, so I was looking at some photos and stuff of, of you kind of uh, post all that stuff. Um, and that's what I was curious about. One, the, the ski photos, cause I saw, you know, the skis being attached to the, um, to the pole, the ski poles. But I, so I was curious, so you can, I guess your weight bearing, I guess, so you can stand up straight, but it's more or less you can't move the legs that way. So that's how you're able to do all that. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, it's a little bit of, uh, you got a little bit of science, a little bit of uh, ingenuity, and a little bit of fear. You mix all those together, and it allows <laughs> me to turn left and right. <laughs> That's awesome. So so a lot of those things, like the the, the ski poles and, um, you know, maybe even the surfboard and stuff, was any of that stuff, was that stuff sort of already out there as an option, or did you, like, get creative, like, okay, this is what my body will allow me to do? how am I going to find the missing pieces to allow me to do this activity or like, how am I going to adapt, you know, these poles so that I can actually do this? Yes. For me, the biggest thing has always been, um, you know, trying to find what's available and then seeing if there's ways to improve it. So the four tracking skiing, that's been around for a long time. Okay. So I think there's ways to improve it, but I think the biggest the number of users is such a small field that I don't know how much research impact and, you know, ingenuity you can put forth because the population that you're serving is, is quite small. Um, then, you know, with the wave ski, that's something that's been around. Wave skis were created uh, in the late seventies to surf zones that were highly shark infested. Really? Uh, you don't put your feet in your water. You sit on top <laughs> of a board and surf away and, you know, you're, you're staying away from, you know, sharks, but, 
we have found for it to be a great adaptation into the surf community. And then the e-bike, e-bike, which is one of the hottest talk topics and controversial, you know, matters right now in the mountain biking world, you know, really has been, you know, a blessing to me because without it, I can't mountain bike. But yeah. with it, I can participate at the same level as anybody else. And there's no true adaptation because the product is actually made for mainstream. And so those are actually the times when, you know, these adaptations are the best is when the adaptation is actually made for mainstream or for able or for, you know, the general, but it has this awesome benefit for folks with disabilities. And the e-bike is a, is a perfect example of that. That's awesome. I bet that's super fun too. <laughs> it's awesome, man. <laughs> So, uh, well, I'm assuming, so once you, you know, if you first, I guess, ski it again for the first time, I'm pretty sure there are obviously probably a lot of high fives going around. Um, sure. But anyway, so, but with that, you know, you kind of had this positive mindset from, from the beginning, you know, as positive as you could be to figure out, you know, what am I going to do with this to not get it down? And then you, you mentioned the high five story at the, after the doctor and that kind of stuff. At what point when did you actually like make the decision like, hey, I want to help others that have been through a similar situation as mine to keep this positive um, attitude and stuff like that. When, when did you decide to actually move forward with that idea and actually create the foundation? Uh, so truthfully, I had this idea like 10 days into my recovery because all these people had helped me out, like giving amounts of money I'd never even thought was possible for people to have is what I would call spare change. And I was so lucky because I was, you know, a longtime skier that had grown up as a coach and a lot of, you know, parents of kids that I coached went above and beyond and, and gave, you know, hefty amounts of funding so that I could focus on recovery. And wow. It just hit me. Hey, I, I got to do something. So like, yeah, 10 days in, I, I wanted to start a foundation that was called flip back, which was the word backflip and the words were switched up. And, uh, you know, once I realized the amount of work it was going to take and the amount of work that I had to put into my own self, my own recovery, it really hit me that it just wasn't possible to do both at the same time. So I yeah. really set a goal that was when you feel like you have gotten to this good point in your life, like let's, let's then try to figure out what this next move is. And so, you know, the real big next step for high fives was after I went skiing and I went skiing in March of 2008 and then through our first event for an unknown business plan entity known as high five. We didn't know if we were a nonprofit or a media company <laughs> or a boutique or what we were going to be, but we put it on an event. It was well-received and, and that is what sprung the organization, but it all came from me just wanting to pay it forward. All these folks helped me. I mean, large sums of money so that for two years, all I did was focus on recovery and, and didn't have a bill in sight. And that gave me the opportunity to, you know, focus and get to a great place, but then really gave me the, you know, the Kindle inside of me, the fire to say, Hey, I got to pay it forward. I got to help other people. And, you know, now 11 years later, the organization has helped uh, over 340 individuals from 39, 38 States and Canada. And wow. we've expanded our mission to, you know, to prevent life-changing injuries and provide resources and hope that they happen. You know, that's our that's our big takeaway man we want to cast a net of safety over the outdoor sports so that if people do get hurt we're here to help them and the folks that are young and getting into the sport well we have safety education platform that provides the adherent dangers of the winter sports so that people can understand what can happen um when you get a little too rad like i did <laughs> 
that and, and i'm laughing at the little too rad part and not at the situation of course um uh so i guess so with all that so you so it sounds like as a whole like what you guys are doing um as far as the programs you offer um i guess like you said kind of helping helping the little little kids get rad safely um but also offering some finance do you guys offer financial support as well for people that are going through those problems or is it more also like a support system or is it like all of it yeah so what we do is we have three buckets that we call um different programs of the foundation we have our empowerment fund our healing center and our basics program and i'll kind of work backwards from because they all kind of represent what i think of as kind of like the past present and the future the, the past is that empowerment fund. That's a financial assistance program that provides grants to individuals that sustain life-changing injuries in the mountain sports, or to individuals that have life-changing injury and want to get back in the sport and providing them with the piece of equipment that they need. So that empowerment fund, you know, to date has distributed over $4 million in grants uh, for healing and for equipment. And then also inside of empowerment, we have our adaptive camps, which Every year we host over 20 adaptive camps for over 100 first-time experiences so that folks with disabilities can go out, participate in sport after suffering a life-changing injury. And instead of learning it in a way that's very kind of um, instructional based, we use mentor-mentee process. So what we do is we find experts in the field, uh, adaptive athletes that have excelled at swimming, or I mean, surfing, skiing, mountain biking, whatever it may be, and they act as a mentor. And then we bring a newly injured and we allow the mentor to help the mentee get back out in sport. They already know how to be an athlete. I'm not teaching them how to do that. I'm just teaching them how to do it safely in an adaptive fashion. And so that adaptive camp program has expanded and, and provided so many new opportunities that have blossomed into now folks that have the pieces of equipment so they can go ride their bike at 8, 11 a.m. on a Tuesday. They don't have to wait for one of our camps. And then we also have a, a veterans program where we take 22 critically wounded veterans every year. We put through nine weeks of personal training. At the end of nine weeks, we bring them to Squaw Valley for a week of skiing and snowboarding to help them transform not only themselves physically, but also mentally over a 10 week period. That's that past component. Our, our present component is a healing center that we have here in Truckee, California, uh, 4,000 square feet in size, has every different modality of healing that you could possibly need to overcome a life-changing injury from chiropractic work to acupuncture, massage, personal training, physical therapy in a space that allows anyone to come in at no cost, no question, and also helps everyone build a community because we have back-to-back -back workouts with folks with life-changing injuries and they all get to meet each other and expand who they are and, and tell their stories and share it. So it's a really big support system or something that we like to refer to as an ohana, which is a Hawaiian word for family, just non-blood related. And then that's the present. You get hurt, you need a place to work out, I got you covered and I got great people that want to make sure you get outside again that operate and help this space run. And then the futures are basics program acronym for be aware safe in critical situations. It's a video documentary series that used and shared by uh, really highly touted uh, national organizations within the ski and snowboard industry that help spread the message of safety uh, to those so that the adherent dangers or as we like to say to catch an athlete before they crash can be educated and, and they can learn. Uh, without actually having to go through the life-changing injury. So I just like spitballed a million things right there. In the nutshell, we cast a net of safety for the outdoor sports. That, that's it in like six words. <laughs> no, well, no, all of that is awesome. So it sounds like, and I'm kind of, 
backtrack. So the, the first uh, program or initiative or whatnot is, is really with the, the mentor and the mentees is more or less the, when you were explaining that to me, what I was thinking of was you're, you're giving those individuals hope as far as to continue that positive outlook of, Hey, you know, this, this, this is a bummer, but it's not the worst thing and you can still do this. So it sounds like you're, that's a big component right there. Um, and then, so, and then to the, to the facility part of it as well. So do you have different, um, like doctors and physical therapists and all that stuff? Are, are they like, um, I guess, uh, volunteering their time there to, to help with this or, or are they part of the program or the high fives foundation, um, in general, or how, how do they get involved? I guess if, if it's something that they're, they're passionate about, or you just kind of find them different ways. Yeah. So here in Truckee, we've got a, a full staff that does all that. Okay. And then we've worked with so many different practitioners across the country. You know, a lot of times if someone gets hurt in a specific region, we're going to have a contact for them to reach out to. And, and that's what I was, working... go ahead. I was just saying that's, that's what actually, that was one of the questions that you just brought that up. Cause I do remember looking through the, uh, the about page for you all and seeing some individuals in like Pennsylvania and some Eastern States and kind of that stuff. So I was curious about what that was all about. So that's cool. Yeah. We provide financial assistance to them so that they can continue their recovery closer to home. You know, as I said, healing's best done near home, and we've been able to do that for a lot of folks. The other thing, too, that we're able to do is we're, we're partnering with healthcare systems now to, to bring in mentorship to, uh, you know, newly injured folks so that they can have a really positive, or I like to say it, a beacon of hope um, from a person that's gone through it. You know, I use the analogy from, um, you know, the old hair club for men commercials where it's like, I'm not just the president, I'm also the first client. And that's been a big takeaway from us as well. Is we're able to give real, honest, approachable information to folks so that they can go live their best life and have the best quality of life possible. That, that's awesome. Um, and it's awesome that you've been able to put together all these kind of different components of that more or less recovery process that someone would have, even from the prevention in the first place. Um, how, so how, does, how do individuals that might be involved in those sports or whatnot um, find you? Is it, I guess, you know, if, if they have never heard of you before, I guess, how, I guess, where do you, I don't know, where do you find these individuals to, to help, I guess, in the first place? Cause you know, it's something that probably a lot of people don't think about that there are programs like yours out there. Maybe I'm wrong and they do, but. Yeah. Unfortunately we're the sponsor you don't want to have. And, and as of recent, you know, we've become pretty well forward facing from our social platforms and just from the impact work and some of the large scale partnerships that we have with some pretty large brands. Um, we now, we used to seek people out. We would, you know, try to find someone that's had a life changing injury and support. Now we receive more than we can handle. So uh, for now, we're usually sometimes the first people people call when they have an accident. And unfortunately we're the sponsor you don't want to have, but we're also here for you when you need to be sponsored as well to get through it. No, that, no, that, that totally makes sense. So with kind of, you know, over the years of working with different individuals and, and everything, are there any like um, success stories or any, I don't know, favorite stories or something about maybe somebody getting, you know, back on their feet or like 
just just really given uh i want to go back to the high five analogy just a huge smile on somebody's face but any stories that kind of bring back like some memories like that of just like um kind of that that positivity really yeah i mean i've I've got got (laughs) probably too many (laughs) but uh you know one that comes to mind is a young kid his name's landon magali um got hurt July 4th, 2010 in a mountain biking accident at the age of 14. Kid loved wow. mountain biking more than anything in the world. We met him at a young age and we helped him get a sit ski and learn to sit ski. Ended up getting on the provincial BC team for the Paralympics. Went to college, graduated with a journalism degree after school, came an intern for the foundation. Now he serves as the athlete manager for high fives and, you know, spends his time ensuring that all the folks that we support always have a voice and have someone that they can reach out to. But the coolest thing is, you know, over time, since he got hurt, there's been innovation, technology and advancement in sport. And there's a new piece of equipment called a bowhead, which is this amazing adaptive mountain bike. And because of that, Landon is now able to mountain bike like he did before and to watch someone wait patiently for that device to be created to give that gift back is is really amazing and then you know at the same time you see him wanting to make sure that folks that are newly injured get the same amount of information that he did because we found him luckily at a young age and because of that you know i think that's really the coolest thing that's come out of this is this kid is now just a blessing of a human being and he's a part of the foundation he's an athlete he's, he's the whole thing he's a full circle and you know those full circle stories are are you know very common you know there's Others that, you know, I've, I've gotten to watch them raise their kids from a, a, a point of view that many people wouldn't think possible because they have a disability. How could they be a father? They're, they still have a heart and a brain, and they've been able to adapt and overcome and, and go push past barriers that might exist for them. And, you know, the coolest story that really comes to mind is that in 2010, when I started the foundation, I was at an event for the Paralympics. And coming off of that year in 2010, there was a a female skier by the name of Elena Nichols, who had just won uh, multiple gold, silvers, and bronze at the games, and actually became the first ever American female, American, American to win golds in the summer and the, in the winter. She had just won gold in the summer of 2008. Wow. Met her, she was the hottest thing in the, you know, the Paralympic world at that time. Struck up a friendship and for the next like eight years, continually worked towards ways to get more inclusion with surfing and, um, you know, skiing and, and just, adaptive sports in general. And because of that, because of that, she, um, you know, has really become a force. And then two years ago, I, uh, two years ago, me and her, we started dating and now we've got a, a 13 month old kid. And I don't know, that, that's an even better full circle story right there. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, you got, you got to do that shout out. No, that's, that's awesome though. How the kind of the i guess the serendipity of it all and finding those common things that are not common if that makes sense um kind of kind of brought brought you all together in that sense and both obviously very passionate about the same the same things and and what you guys are doing so that's that's no that's an awesome story (laughs) so yeah man i mean and we've got hundreds of them but yeah i mean you know the the thing for me is you know the biggest thing is is just that you know every day you're given the gift of choosing to wake up and provide the most positive attitude and effort that you can put forth and it's up to you that's how i've gotten through this and you know that's usually what a 
lot of people want to know what type of advice can you give to someone that might be newly injured or has been injured and is trying to get through it is that you know every single day regardless of what you physically can and cannot do you can control your attitude and your effort and if you go forth with a positive one each and every day it's pretty amazing things are going to happen to you in your life and it's really up to you to make that decision and make that decision for yourself and not for anybody else that that's awesome and and you, you know you just kind of wrapped up on the on the last question i always like to ask ask the guest um and that's pretty much what i thought you were going to say from the beginning um after kind of hearing that all the kind of that perspective and outlook that that you project you're going to get that back on you whether that's negative or positive so that might as well make it positive to to get the good vibes back and get the high fives flowing right Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, to that extent, um, where where can people um, find you guys online to see to learn more? I mean, I know we talked about a lot of it, and you guys have a lot of stuff going on. Um, but maybe you know where they can you know find some different resources that you have on there, and you know maybe maybe things like that. But anyways, where can people find you online? Yeah, I mean, highfivefoundation.org is a great spot. Our website is the massive amount of information but you know we share a lot of stuff on social we're really active we're really active on you know instagram um facebook and twitter and then we also have a really robust um media archive on youtube and vimeo we like to use video to tell our stories because video is a great format for people to get to see firsthand with their own eyes the impact that their donor dollars have on the program services of the foundation yeah definitely and it's and that's what it's cool too that you guys are, are have those different resources um, for people that might not be able to actually visit you all out there or or have those resources around them. Um, well, I Roy, I really appreciate you being on the on the show today and kind of sharing your story from all the way from Vermont to to uh, uh, out in California now and and everything that that you've experienced and really how. Um, I don't know. Just I, I don't know the, the 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 positivity that you've you've had with all that. I think is is awesome. I mean, there's 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 people that get down on on some silly things when you think about it. So the fact that you've been so level headed, it sounds like, and also been able to make such an impact on these other individuals that have experienced the same thing and sound and all these full circle stories um, is is i don't know it's really awesome so i was really glad to glad to hear that yeah it's just part of life <laughs> just just another day another high five but um awesome well i uh yeah so thanks again for being on on the podcast and i uh i wish you the best of luck going forward and and the future of the, of the program and the, the high five foundation Awesome, man. Thank you so much. It was great chatting with you and uh, I hope you have an epic weekend. Hey, you too. All right. Thanks, sir. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.